Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. This week, before we go on our hiatus, we'll share our plans for the remainder of the summer and hopes for this fall. We'll talk with filmmaker and musician Danny Pakulski and share our thoughts on the first three episodes of the animated series Big Mouth on Netflix. I'm Erica Berlin, the Executive Director of the Film Society. I'm John Lyons, Director of Programming for the Film Society and a filmmaker. I'm Jesse Olszewski, Filmmaker and Project Coordinator at the Greater Erie Film Office. And I'm Mike Berlin, Erica Berlin's husband. And I'm Danny Pogalski, uh, Penn State Barron student and local filmmaker and musician, as you guys apparently consider me. <laughs> Currently consider you. Good, yeah. I'd say that's accurate. So this is our last episode of the summer of the pandemic of 2020. Uh, For the fall of the pandemic <laughs> of 2020. And the winter of the <laughs> pandemic of 2020 and 2021. What does everyone have planned for the next month? And what are your hopes for the fall? Who wants to jump in first with plans and hopes and dreams? Kaleidoscopic, nature-filled dreams. So we've sold our home and we are closing on, on our house August 7th. So right now I am packing a lot of things and we're having a living estate sale. So I'm preparing for that. Um, it's pretty hectic. It's very emotional. Um, but, you know, by mid-August we'll hopefully be somewhat settled and uh, we'll enjoy a few weeks before the fall of our discontent. That covers a lot of it. Uh, I plan on to, once we are out of the house, I'm going to take some time to sort of uh, tuck myself away and hand some pages into John Lyons that I'm promising him. Okay, I wasn't gonna say anything, Mike, but I was <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I've got, uh, yeah, I've got a good grasp on it. It's just, it's been a little bit much with the house and at the same time managing things at work. What, you got other things going on? I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Yeah. Well, it's gonna be weird because it's like, it's gonna be like life has been like this, like kind of dead sprint and then all of a sudden it's like gonna have a lot of time. I just accepted a new position with R. Frank Media. I am now the sales and marketing manager. It's very exciting. In addition to working on set and shooting, so I'm stoked. I'm gonna give that my 100%, but I'm also looking forward to getting a number of things shot before summer ends. I got a couple irons in the fire. Can't talk about it too much yet, but you can expect some things. And of course, I have to make time to rollerblade every day. When are we going to get to see the one that you shot with your sister during quarantine? That's still in post-production. Um, okay. It'll be done before summer ends, for sure. Okay. I, I just want to time out for a second. I had the privilege, nay, nay the honor of seeing Jesse Rollerblade. You did? The guy is no oh, joke. that's right, that's right. The guy is no joke on Rollerblades. Ooh, I take even, my blading I'm not very even seriously. think about that. <laughs> It's like watching a gazelle on wheels. Oh my God. Mike said you have an incredible, <laughs> incredible pair, Jesse. Oh, I just got this new pair from Scandinavia because <gasps> nowhere in the U.S. had my size. The wheels are like 
ginormous and I can just fly now. I love it. I'm so jealous. I hate my rollerblades. What? Like you, you get them. Yeah, but you get what you pay for. I got like the the base level. I should not have done that. Like I'm a much better skater than what these skate, you know, well, if facilitated. The fit, well, you can get a new frame with different wheels, bigger wheels. I don't even like the boots. Oh, They're like boy. hiking boots. They don't feel right. I miss my like old just plastic lace all the way up to the top rollerblades from yeah 90s skates just get some wooden (laughs) skates throw that back (laughs) wooden skates with little with uh metal they have danny do you skate are you you're a longboarder i bet um i've been i've been known to longboard that's true (laughs) um i'm I'm more of a biker these days i like to bike down to presque isle and throw up a hammock well, I'll throw this out there. Ooh. I'm putting together <laughs> a group of bikers, bladers, and skateboarders to just go downtown, get a couple GoPros, and just have fun and get some cool shots. So anyone that wants to tag along. I'm in, man. Let me know. <laughs> All right. I just have a friend who got the, uh, the GoPro 8, and he is loving it. Maybe I can do it. Yeah. Maybe I will. Yeah, this sounds like the beginning of like some sort of gang from like the Warriors or something like that. It's actually more similar to the opening of Mighty Ducks 2, where Charlie goes and rounds up the gang again, and they're all skating like through the mall. That's what I envision. I would love the mall to turn into a skating park in the winter. Wouldn't that be incredible? It's going to turn into a skating park, I think, soon, soon anyways. Yeah, I agree. Guys, don't tease me. A vacant... A giant vacant building. I mean, and imagine I, how smooth the floor would be, Jesse. No rocks, no be sticks. Like, <laughs> yeah, and you can also go to Forever Twenty One if you get bored. So. That's right. <laughs> and do your shopping. You need to get some crop shorts and tank tops for your ride. So in the future, in the fall, when the Mill Creek Mall is vacant, we'll all be hanging out in there. What What else does everybody hope will either return or will happen by the time we get to the fall we'll have a new president oh sorry (laughs) hopes and dreams mike hopes and dreams mike yeah thoughts and prayers got it yeah thoughts and prayers (laughs) (laughs) well mike and i have a vacation planned okay this sounds risky i know where are you going when well we're going to the iceland airwaves music fest again that's awesome. Is Iceland yes. allowing Americanos currently? No, okay. no. But we think maybe like we'll have gone up and down by the end of October. Maybe we'll be able to go. If you can sneak across, because like Dorota really wants to go to Europe. And if you can sneak across the border to Canada, you know, if you can border cross, then you can travel from out of Canada. That is my plan. I, I booked clever. my ticket out of, out of Toronto. Okay. Yeah. We need to talk to Stu about maybe getting a boat, boat across, <laughs> across the way there to Ontario. You could start Canada. a ferry business. Right. <laughs> no questions asked, ferry. Bootlegging people across the border. <laughs> yes. For haircuts. They want their haircuts, and they're willing to do anything. <laughs> and then all the Canadians will be, they took our jobs. <laughs> hey. I, Canada hey. has hardly any COVID cases. Yeah, a lot of the world is in that situation. So where do you think we're going to be as far as COVID cases in 
two months from now, let's say, where do you, do you think uh, the U.S. is going to have it under control? I think the fact that the, and not, I don't want to get, turn this into a political, but I think that the very fact that the administration for the first time took a one, what some might consider a cynical or maybe realistic tone yesterday, that it shows you that the number, I think that they can't ignore it anymore. I don't know if you guys saw the interview with Trump and Chris Wallace, but Trump said he doesn't think there's so many cases. So he, he said he doesn't think there are. So that's, that's where I'm going. So that must be true then. Yes. And everyone else is wrong. Everyone yeah. else is wrong. The people who are laying face down on gurneys in the ICU on ventilators, they're wrong. I don't I don't think that's that's true. I don't think that's doctored true. fake fake news. That's yeah. what that is. Danny, what do you think? Um, well here's the thing. I'm supposed to go back to school like in a month. Yeah. Which is kind of a scary thing to think about. So um, I mean as far as like hopes, I hope maybe we we get our act together and things start to look better otherwise uh it's been nice knowing you guys so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man yeah that's, that's a good note that's a good positive yeah. note well it's fascinating i mean do you know any international students that were potentially going to have to go back to their home countries because of the lack of international like support for international students staying here if they don't have an in-person class. Edinburgh announced okay. today that uh, international students and all students in um, either like art studios or lab situations, those are the only ones that are gonna be in the dorms up to 175 people max. Oh. So we're only going to have up to 100 students physically on campus. This wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh boy. It's gonna be quiet. It's gonna be quiet. Danny, do you guys have a plan yet, or is it still, like, fluid? Um, I think it might still be, you know, constantly changing. Yeah. You know, as we, you know, find out new things every day. As we record this podcast, it's probably going to be totally different when it... Well, Erica, Mike, you want to lead us into our... Yes. So, today's guest is Danny Pukulski. Welcome, Danny. He is a student, um, as well as, you know, a, a guy on the scene here in Erie. He's worked on a number of sets and shoots, and he's a filmmaker himself. Thanks for being here. Thanks, guys. I'm happy to be here. So let's just start by talking about who do you think you are? Like, where are you from? <laughs> what, you what, are you doing? what are you doing on our podcast? Whoa. What are you doing here? Whoa. <laughs> Um, I'm from Erie. I grew up here. Um, I'm currently at Penn State Barron, so you know I'm, I'm sticking around. Cool. Uh, and like Erica said, I, I've been on sets. I've worked on movies you may have heard about, possibly in Unearth. You know, and then I've just been trying to uh, you know make films myself and, and develop my own style and, and you know make my own name for myself. So. I'm sure we all did, but I watched your your short uh, Murphy mm -hmm. earlier today, and well done. It's great. I, I didn't see the end coming, so that's that's one of the <laughs> great things about any. Film. That's important. Yeah. No clue what was going to happen, um, but I really came away from it, at least for the first half, with a real sense of serenity, um, and I think that was the woods and the quiet, just the nature sounds, but over top of that, a really nice soundtrack. So 
how, you know, how were you trying to create that, that feeling of peace? Were you, was that a goal of yours? Oh yeah, definitely. And, you know, John asked me this a little bit earlier, uh, when the, the idea was sort of developed as far as like COVID goes, cause it's, it's very much a film about isolation and, you know, you know, what, you know, what isolation, you know, does to the mind, you know, the toll it takes. Um, so, I mean, that was definitely an important part of the film was we need to spend time with him alone before, you know, things start to go off the rails. So that whole, you know, first five minutes is like very much just seeing him in his world and, you know, having, having him enjoy his own isolation before he starts to, you know, not enjoy it. Yeah. And his own thoughts with his journaling. I mean, right. in, in your story, he, it's been over a year that he's been mm-hmm. alone in this seemingly like post-apocalyptic, you know, it's referred to that the shit hit the fan at some point, but we don't really know what that was. But clearly, you know, people have, um, some people are taking it uh, better than others. I mean, if you didn't see the journaling, you would think, you know, it's just a guy out enjoying nature by himself. But yeah, then when he comes going for across, a walk, <laughs> what's that? Just a guy going for a walk. <laughs> yeah. But then when he comes across something of use, uh, he just snags it, you know? So you give little hints too that, uh, you know, survivalist mode. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is it real that when you cut open a vine like that, that it has water in it? Grapevines? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Wow. We did our research. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was really cool. I learned how to survive in the in the forest. Yeah, and that little plant that he picks up, that yeah. you can actually eat those. Those are edible as well. You did a lot of research into survive, surviving in the forest, or are mm-hmm. you a natural uh, outdoorsman? Oh, I'm, I definitely consider myself, you know, a, a big outdoors person. I love to uh-huh. uh, you know, get out in nature. What do you love about the outdoors? Um, let's get personal personally yeah like some some henry david thoreau type philosophies um i I mean especially now like there's sort of this feeling of of being cooped up inside too much so i mean it's definitely important now but even before that i mean there's just sort of a sense of like clearing your head you know putting the phone away um you know just getting a few hours to yourself you know and it's fun to go with with others with your friends but i think it's also important to you know get that time alone out there as well you know just be like with your thoughts you know have that experience danny i've got two questions for you uh go for it i'll go for the first one here uh where uh what was the genesis like where uh where did you get the idea for the story i mean yeah so that was uh sort of born from the idea of uh wanting to make something about isolation but not explicitly about covid because i don't know that might have come off kind of cheesy, you know. Um, so that's sort of where the idea came from. It's making, wanting to make a film about what isolation, you know, does to the mind. And that was certainly something I was feeling like a month into quarantine was like, you know, some of those like different, you know, feelings you have, so. Yeah, um, my second question is what I think is, uh, and I really enjoyed it, uh, but I also think what's sort of interesting is you have, it's a, through the lens, I would say, a sympathy for the character Murphy. And uh, obviously, like, um, can you talk a little bit about sort of like relationships, if you will, between uh, obviously creator and mm-hmm. uh, storyteller and uh, where you sort of identify with him? I mean, that you're definitely correct with that. I mean, there's definitely, 
you know, bittersweet note at the end. I don't want to give it away, but right. sort of left, you know, almost maybe kind of feeling bad for him in some ways. And like, I got, I get that. I totally get that sense. And I, I think the music yeah. helps out a lot too. I mean, I, I sort of got lucky with just finding that little, uh, you know, melody. Um, as far as like a, a relation to the character, like I just talked about, like sort of that connection with nature, you know, it's not easy to be on your own for, you know, however many days he is, which is like a year plus. Yeah, I think it is in the story. Yeah, talk talk about uh, that music because um, it really set a tone um, and a pace, and you know, kind of like journeying through through the wilderness. Like it, it really matched really well. It um, it fit really well, and that was sort of you know, like I said, kind of lucky because I you know I've, I've been playing guitar for a couple of years now, so I'm not I wouldn't consider myself very like, technically skilled, but I can sort of figure out you know where the where the feeling is behind it. You know, I can. I can find sort of an emotional point, you know, to sort of uh, create, you know, a, a mood rather than, you know, technical skill. So that was like a big part of it. And, you know, being sort of inspired by these people, like, you know, I think John Carpenter does his own music mm -hmm. for his films sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just love the idea of, of a director who also uh, like does multiple aspects of the film. And, you know, a part of why I love movies so much is because they are this, you know, audio visual experience it's it's a complete you know package of all these different forms of art you know coming together and and you get that with you know the audio and the visual and, and finding the you know the place where that comes together and fits together quite nicely is like probably you know one of the best things about movies you know it was cool uh seeing simon simon yan's um name in the uh end credits as well so did you guys kind of work on this collaboratively together at first and then bring more people in like how many people were on your on your crew um so i think at most we had like seven people like on the biggest day we had seven people um but mostly it was uh me simon liam who played the main character and simon's little brother eli actually helped us out with some audio so he was our boom man awesome. so most days it was just the four of us you know just taking a hike and shooting stuff so. what camera did you hey, because it looks beautiful did a really wonderful job. What, ca what camera were you guys shooting? With? So I think it's a Sony A7 something. Yeah. I'm, I'm not like a huge camera guy. I like to tell people what to do rather than, <laughs> you know, do the, t the technical stuff. So I think it's a, it's a Sony something. It was shot in 4K. It looks good. It, then the A7 II. Mm -hmm. Props to Simon. That, that looked yeah. Good. I mean, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the first things I noticed I w from the very first shot where it's just him straight on. I'm like, oh. This is pretty cinematic. Looks good, right? <laughs> yeah, and it definitely had like a real uh, indie vibe to it. Mm -hmm. That's at least the impression I got. Like you really hit the nail on the head with that one. I mean, yeah, it was made with like, I don't know, zero dollars. So like <laughs> very much an indie film. Talk about That's every um, good your... filmmaker's roots. Right. Yeah, that's right. You gotta scrap it together. Um, tell us about the kaleidoscopic effect that you've got in there. That's sort of something I've developed for a little while. It started with just still photography and just doing, you know, trying to make something that's visually like, I don't know, I guess the less technical term would be like kind of trippy, um, you know, sort of psychedelic, you know, I'm a big like 60s, 70s guy, you know, trying to sort of tap into that sort of psychedelic uh, vibe. So I, I, I sort of tested it a few times with other short films before this one. And then it really just felt right for this, you know, with, what it means in the film, context of the movie, how it, you know, could represent, you know, his mind. 
deteriorating and his world around him is kind of closing in. It definitely worked. Yeah, it kind of gave the, the feeling of like nature taking on a, a different form in a way too. I wouldn't say like horror or scary. Yeah, I mean, trippy, like you said, but it definitely, um, you know, psychologically, it has, an, it has an effect on the viewer. So it was, a, it was a cool choice. I thought it worked. Yeah, also like just philosophy I have about, you know, this idea of nature being purely chaotic. So what's next for Murphy? What's next for the character Murphy? Well, yeah, I mean... The film. No, I mean like the short film. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, right now you can go watch Murphy on my Vimeo. Uh, you can go to search my name. Uh, or you can check out my uh, production company's uh, website, which is Oddity Productions, O-D-D-I-T-Y Productions. Um, and it will be on there. You can go watch and enjoy. Great. And, and any projects upcoming? Yeah. So uh, what we've been doing, me, Simon, and actually Liam, too, the actor in the film, have been working on this uh, company, this production company of mine, doing uh, local commercial shoots, music videos, short films. So we are going to stay on the grind for that and hopefully build it into something. And um, I'm already writing my next script for another short film. So Love hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, Danny, it's been so great to have you. We really wish you all the best. I mean, you're just so productive already and you're just a student. And now that we actually don't really know what's gonna happen in the fall and in the winter, mm -hmm. I think you'll have a lot of time and freedom to to work on your next project. Yeah, I'm, I'm only getting started. So there'll be a lot more in the future from me. That's great. Can't wait. That's great. Yep, can't wait. All right, thanks guys. So Jesse had a had a recommendation for us, which I know Danny's already watched. So might as well stick around. I feel like right. everyone my age and under has watched it, and uh, everyone I know who has watched it has enjoyed it. So the the show is Big Mouth. It's on Netflix. It's a animated comedy show by Nick Kroll and Andrew Goldberg. And it's basically those two writers, their life uh, coming of age stories, going through puberty and all of the awkward, ridiculous uh, territory that comes along with that. Uh, there's not much else to say beyond that other than the, the, the humor that it uses is very crass and on the nose, but in a, and I think in a very endearing way. Um, there are some really big names attached to it, like John Mulaney and Jordan Peele and Maya, Maya Rudolph. One of my favorite characters is Fred Armisen, who plays Nick Kroll's like overly sensitive dad. Like all, all of the casting is just perfect. And uh, there's some big musical numbers that they do a lot, but all in all, it's just a good time. And if you, you want to put something on where you don't have to think about it too hard, I think it's a great show. So. What did you all think? I've been watching the show for a minute now since it first came out and uh, uh, it's hilarious. Uh, and I think that this is gonna sound weird, but the show finds something that almost everybody at some point, adults particularly, obviously that's what it's really geared towards, can relate to or be like, oh man, I remember feeling that way. I remember when that happened to me at that time. Uh, not to go too far into all the seasons and stuff like that, but there's there's a little something there for everybody that's like, ooh, I kind of remember that. 
I remember thinking thinking the world of that like in that way, relating to some of the characters. I'm not gonna say which one I definitely sort of felt like. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. come on. Oh, now no. I'm curious. <laughs> come on. It's Andrew, uh, isn't it? You gotta it? share. You yeah, can definitely say Andrew. that and then it, it's share. Definitely Andrew. It's definitely Andrew. <laughs> it's 100% Andrew. Can you describe Andrew for everyone, please? Andrew is, how should I put it? Andrew's definitely, uh, Andrew is the, uh, the, Andrew's the friend. Yeah, the and best he, friend of Nick. Nick, and he is the neurotic one. He's still you know, the overdeveloped, overdeveloped, uh, and trying, yes, and trying to get his footing yeah. a little bit. You know, like everybody growing up in their you know pubescent time, uh, they don't quite the reality isn't quite what the world is. And from the opening episode, he's the one that has this other character that follows him around, who is the hormone monster. Um, who is also voiced by Nick Kroll. This character kind of embodies the uh, carnal desires in his developing mind. It's a great character. I think I, the hormone monster- I cracked monster, up every, every time he's on screen. The hormone monsters are one of, one, some of the best creations of characters in a long time that become to the short, small screen. I'm curious, Erica, have you gotten a chance to watch any episodes? So I've watched, I've watched Big Mouth before. Oh, okay. um, I did not watch it prior to, prior to this, but I know I watched probably, I don't know, the whole first season with Mike okay. um, a while back. Uh, I love the explicit nature of the dialogue. I love just the really hit the nail on the head approach to adolescence. The adolescent monster that's just kind of like, hey man you want to grab her tits don't you you know <laughs> it's like yeah i think that that inner dialogue uh is is rampant in our youth i i actually don't think it's always so uh vulgar it definitely exists for girls too but in a very different way did you think uh the portrayals on on the show were accurate for women yeah, I think that's why it's so funny because I think everyone can identify with some of the characters. And right now I couldn't tell you which character I identify with, but I know watching it, you know, you just kind of like burst into laughter and then you're kind of like, oh God, I don't know what I'm just laughing at. Oh my God, it's so real and it's so cringeworthy. Um, because that's how adolescence really is. It's very cringeworthy in, in many ways. And I don't know, I mean, maybe that's different now. Maybe it's very different being an adolescent now than it is, than it was, you know, when Mike and I were growing up and John, you too. I can't speak for Danny because you're a baby. Uh, <laughs> you come up in an adolescence that's completely different from, from what we, we did. Um, but it never stops being awkward, you, no matter what. I think now your awkwardness is just, sometimes I, I wonder if there's this sense of I'm showing the world that it's not awkward at all. Like I've got it together, like I'm cute and I've got my hair and my shorts and I'm That'd totally the picturing- media effect. Yeah, like what's the social media effect of, of the image that you project of yourself versus really who you are and what you're feeling and going through as an adolescent? I think there's probably a big difference for that. 
I don't know. It, it didn't happen to that extent when we were younger. Of course, I think when you're walking through the hallways at school or when you're talking on the phone to people, it was a little bit more earnest, I guess is the right word, because you had nothing to hide behind. You know, you didn't have like, this is the, my image versus this is my, my, real, my real emotion. I mean, some people acted tough. Some people had, you know, had, you know, an image, so to speak, but. But inside, we all can relate, I think, to, to these characters and their yeah. monsters very much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm curious if the audience is across the, the board. I, I am curious, like, what Zoomers and, you know, kids that are this age, I wonder if at, with social media and everything like that, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's had that much effect on hormone uh hormonal situations but probably not there is something i won't call it timeless obviously there's going to be references that probably won't age as well 10 years from now they find the right tone throughout all of it because there is something i think everybody can relate to at that age Mm -hmm. about all that crazy hormonal shit that's happening yeah and before i forget i love the musical numbers (laughs) great musical numbers in the show Danny, have you watched the the whole series? Yeah, I did. I've I've seen the whole series up to this point. Okay, so you're you're a big fan. What what do you have? Uh, you know, having watched how many seasons are there of the show? Three, it's like three or something. Yeah. Okay. Three and a Valentine's Day special. <laughs> okay. You know, overall, what what are your impressions um, about yeah, the show, so, and why should people watch it? So I've I've never been like a huge um, like a, adult cartoon person like these family guy or I don't, but there's something about big mouth that's like slightly more endearing in a weird way <laughs> even though it's like about kids going through puberty mm-hmm. um yeah and i think the cast is is fantastic i think jordan peele's character is really funny i think it, it finds ways to visualize certain things like the hormone monsters or you know as you get later i think there's like a, a depression cat or something like that and the shame wizard the shame wizard yeah i mean it, it finds ways to just visualize it, like a lot of these you know sort of feelings that people get that's cool it's kind of like inside out in a way then huh almost like a very raunchy inside out yeah yeah yeah, yeah i mean um i don't usually watch i don't watch a lot of animated stuff usually the animated things i'm drawn to are usually um like foreign and like you know sci-fi or really heady stuff like that i mean i do watch south park but i will definitely keep this on my queue and uh this will definitely be some good you know i need a i need a break i need to unwind just crack up um definitely i think i don't know for some reason aesthetically like this style of like ugly animation for some reason doesn't attract me um but knowing now you know that the show has it has themes and it you know uh has has something that's relatable and hilarious and true and honest and brutal um yeah i i, I really appreciate you recommending it jesse because again i i wouldn't normally watch well thanks well, for opening up to it let me defend the animation too on some level where it is an ugly style of animation but it's like i think good comedy sometimes has to happen quick because if you linger on something too long, you, you can lose the, you can lose the laughter of the room. And so I think that that like they're when they get together to do the show, it all has to go together. Like, like they try to rush it out. 
It's cool. It's just, I just mean, just looking at it completely from, you know, flipping through the, the one image that they give you in Netflix or seeing something online, just for some reason, it's not something that um, usually appeals to me, but that's why we have these recommendations so we can introduce each other and our listeners to new stuff. So that's right. Thanks for getting me out of my comfort zone. We are now watching the alienist on HBO Max. Yes. On HBO Max that I foolishly tried to watch on the TNT app and was bombarded with like three minutes of commercials every, you know, 10 minutes of show. And Mike's like, what are you doing? It's on HBO Max. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, I would say I really like it. It's, I'm curious to see where it's going. You know, it has, as we all know, we like our, we like our horror. We like our brutal murders here on this Mm -hmm. podcast. So it definitely has some brutal murders and it takes place in New York in the late, just like the turn of the century, the late 1890s. It has Luke Evans in it and I really like him. I would recommend it. I would. Um, I think it's a good if you like mystery, it's Dakota Fanning, Luke Evans, and I can't remember the name. Daniel, um, Daniel Brill. Brill, yeah. Yeah, he's interesting. He mm-hmm. looks like someone I know. I can't figure out who it is, though. He's played some very interesting characters. He's a good character. Yeah. yeah, he's pretty good. So, So we'll see how that turns out. We're about halfway through the season, I think. Just so we know, I watched the final episode. So did Mike watch the final episode of Hannibal. Okay, um, let's put a bow on Hannibal. I'm sorry, but season three just did not do it for me. Sorry, guys. That's I'm just going to back away I, from the season. My best friend was telling me that they had intended it to be five seasons and the last season was going to be with Clarice, but it just... It, well, the fourth, the fourth season they were going to bring her in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was going to, the last, or it was going to be just like the movie, like that would be where it ended. Well, I really like Gillian Anderson's character. I don't really like what happened with her, although it was kind of like I knew what had happened before I even, as soon as I saw the table, I'm like, yep, that happened. Uh, I just hated the way that her and Hannibal communicated. After a while, I could not stand the dialogue of the show. I said this last time we watched Hannibal. The first three episodes of the first season that we talked about, loved it. Loved the first season. Will became such an impotent character, and I hated that by the end of the third season, and I just, I I couldn't, I didn't like it. I said I was laughing while watching it and just rolling my eyes, and I'm like, Mike, I gotta get out of here. I can't watch this. I'll just quickly jump in, and they had a reunion recently from the cast, Erica, and you would be appreciate i'm sure they were all making fun of the ridiculous dialogue that (laughs) they had written for the show and they all loved it like that was all like love that whole joke and like how deep and far and you know oh i'm so glad that they enjoyed it because they thought it was funny as an audience member it was exhausting (laughs) like jillian especially was like all the weird shit you guys are writing for me. I had no idea what I was saying. And you guys <laughs> all just got a kick out of just watching my face. Trying oh my to regurgitate. Oh, that's you know. so, okay. Uh, can I find that online somewhere, do you think? Yeah, it's on the Nerdist on YouTube. They did the uh, reunion. Okay. Mike, got I'm it. curious about Hannibal, your, your final thoughts. Well, first things first, uh, it sounds like season four 
might happen. That's the talk. It sounds in, but over like in like actually this last week, uh, it sounds pretty promising. There's a bunch of reports coming out. I think it's performed well on Netflix. Uh, it's performed huge on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I am more into the show than Erica is. Um, I think on some level, the dialogue absolutely 100% gets ridiculous. It's probably one of the, <laughs> but it's like, you can't deny as you're listening and if you're really processing it, uh, I don't think it's necessarily a show that lends itself to binging. I'm going to say that. I, I think it helps if you give your, if like maybe you watch an episode or two and let it space out a bit, uh, which is awesome. I would agree with that. Because we're in such a binging mode society. Um, yeah. uh, so it's good to just sort of let it breathe for a second. And the, because the dialogue actually is very well, it, it's really well written, but it's, it feels like it would be written for book. It's a little um, bit like it's its own Shakespearean kind of. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I'm going to say this. I totally appreciate that there's a show out there that's like, hey, we're not going to pander to the audience. We're going to try to expect you to raise your game and to pay attention to what we're saying, uh, how we're shooting it. Because like if in the cinematography, there's a lot of callbacks. There's a lot of things that are happening. Uh, I, I think it's a show that is, from a technical standpoint, executed at a very incredibly high level. And they don't pander. And there's a lot of fucking pandering out there in our entertainment. And sometimes that's great. Sometimes I'm all for it, but sometimes it's like, it's nice to be pushed a little bit. So to the, to the pacing, like I'm only like uh, a little more than halfway through season two, like totally what you guys are saying. It's not a binge show. Like I might be able to watch two, maybe three back to back. And then I'm surprised you guys are into the alienist. Cause I saw that coming up on, HBO Max, and I'm like, no, I, I need a break after Hannibal. I'm not watching any more of this <laughs> it's a, stuff. It's a different show. The Alien is very much, different. It's much more well, figure, yeah, uh, Arthur Murders and, and stuff like that. It's, 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 yeah. you Operating like tables. Yeah. I still have the Nick that I need to finish, and no way in hell am I going to touch that after <laughs> Hannibal for a while, too. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll just say, I think season three of Hannibal, I loved the ending, and I thought it was. I was fine with the show ending like that. Like, honestly, I was terrified of the Red Dragon. And I thought that the way it wrapped up with those three, I, I thought is how it, how it should have wrapped up. What else did you guys watch? Well, we watched The Red Shoes. Tell us about this movie. Danny, Jesse, have you guys seen The Red Shoes? I have not. Um, so this is uh, one of, uh, and this has been one of these films that I've been trying to find forever. And since the wonderful era of streaming it's amazing what can sort of all of a sudden show up on a platform right red shoes was, uh yeah the red, yeah yeah the red shoes uh was a oh gosh i'm gonna probably botch the year i think it's 1948 1948 okay 1948 and um this is one of these films that if you're in a cinephile then you will then you know this film, or at least you've heard of the film, and it is from a top 100 uh, cinematography films of all time. This is consistently, perpetually, always on, high up on the list, and um, it it is it's a piece of art. It's unbelievable. Uh, it, I, I think I you know my expectations were kind of high going on, into it, and it's also amazing to watch it and recognize it's like oh this is there's a little bit like all the films that since then have really uh, sort of pulled from it, whether it be A Star is Born or uh, recently Moulin Rouge, I think pulls a ton of references. Yes. 
I said that while we were watching it. I'm like, this is the plot of Moulin Rouge. Kind of, kind of. I think <laughs> it would be a great double bill with Black Swan would be. Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and real quick to give the audience some context, uh, it is about a young ballerina in a troupe and her ascent to be the prima ballerina and, in France, uh, in in France, in that in the of the company, and she is forced to make the decision of and something that I think a lot of people who work in the arts can probably relate to. She's forced to make the decision between her craft and say her you know her personal desires in life, and uh, the director of the uh, of the company has opinions and very much inflects that into her life. And it's, it's about that struggle while they also try to create art on the highest level. Jesse, do you have any? I haven't, uh, I haven't watched too much. I've been working a lot. Uh, I was recently on my friend's podcast for the 30th anniversary of um, Batman Forever, which is my favorite of the classic <laughs> Batman films. Interesting. Um, they also Batman, just did... Um, wait, to, Batman Forever is your favorite? <laughs> oh, of the original four? Yeah. yeah. Are you excited about um, them trying now to get the darker Schumacher cut of Batman? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, there, there is some deleted content from the film a lot, and they changed the narrative widely from the original script. And if, if they do that darker cut, I will be so happy. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> there's a there's, darker There's a scene, you can cut. find it on YouTube, where Bruce is in the cave, and a giant, like, eight-foot-tall bat confronts him and stares him down, where Bruce is kind of trying to figure out, like, who he is as Batman. It, it, it's great storytelling. Val Kilmer, worst Batman. No, I disagree. <laughs> no, George Clooney was bad. I thought Clooney was the, the perfect Bruce Wayne. Clo Clooney was a great Bruce Wayne, but not a great Batman. Val Kilmer, bad both. Oh, John. <laughs> All right, what else, Jesse, have you watched? One other cool thing was that they just did the 10-year anniversary of Scott Pilgrim versus the World. They got the whole crew, the whole gang back together. They did it. They did it online, and. Uh, it's just as funny as when you watch the original film for the first time. So I'd recommend you guys check it out. That's Edgar Wright, right? It is Edgar Wright. Okay. Yeah. Some great cinematography and directing in that film. Some yeah. movies. I watched The Vast of Night, which uh, Amazon, you know, put out in the drive-ins early this year. Um, I thought, so I, there were three good recent low budget indies that I watched Vast of Night which is on Amazon Mine 9 which is on Netflix and um, stars PJ Marshall's roommate in real life who did a good job uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid uh, which I had to rent the disc I think it's on Shutter. really good horror indie uh, I was a little disappointed with Charlize Theron's The Old Guard they had um, a great actress uh, martial arts actress in the film that they didn't utilize at all. I don't know why. I guess they must be waiting for the sequel. And then the Tom Hanks, Apple TV, big first film, Greyhound, I thought had great action, but the pacing was a little... Danny, you got anything? I do, actually. I have two. All right. I watched uh, Ben Affleck's The Town recently. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah, it's a good um, one. It's a pretty, pretty fantastic Boston mm -hmm. heist movie. Um, and I don't know if you guys have seen First Cow yet, but I watched that. Ooh, where did you find did you oh, rent first cow that's on hulu if, i think you can rent it yeah it's on hulu 
Yeah. I think he's right. Yeah, yeah. I you guys can it. watch first guy. All right, that's Kelly Reichert, right? It is, yeah. Okay. I'm hit her, I'm love hate with her stuff, but I'll definitely check it out. It sounds on Netflix actually. Okay. Yeah. First cow is really good. I do recommend that one. Especially if you're into uh like I love like Frontier America. Um She does too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Danny, thank you so much for wrapping us up here for the summer of COVID 2020. That's been our episode. Check out Big Mouth on Netflix and let us know what you think in the comments section on Facebook. We're on break now for the rest of the summer. Thank you guys for listening. Stay tuned for our return sometime in September. Make sure and follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, friends, this was Film Grain. <laughs>